going, Danny? I'm well. How are you, Tyler? I'm doing pretty good. Just here to record another episode of Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. Speaking of getting stoned, we should probably get to our green hints. Danny, you told me what you brought, but you didn't tell our wonderful <laughs> listeners. So No worries. So this is a strain that we've both brought over before. I know we have because we've mentioned it several times, but I brought over Crocotase, which is a sativa. It registers right around 22.5% THC. I know we've talked about it in the past because it's one of those strains that we don't know much about. I think it's a kind of like an in-house thing, not at right, flower, the, but for Crockett's or whomever. Yeah, the Crockett Seed Company or whatever. Yeah, so I would imagine it's a phenotype of some sort, but to what degree, I don't know. Right. Yeah, so not much information is on this strain. I brought some motor breath which I just had the information in front of me, and then I put it down, so I will pick it back up again. Another one that I know I've brought in before, named because it's kind of diesel-y. So, you know, motor breath. It crosses Chemdog with San Fernando Valley OG Kush. It's a hybrid, so you get a little bit of the best of both worlds, but it's mostly known for being rather potent, so you should feel quite a bit of the best of both worlds, theoretically. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like more than its effects, it's probably like the name Motor Breath is pretty apt and <laughs> it's potent. There you go. So with that in mind, as we've already been doing a little bit and as we start to smoke, we would like to remind everybody that we do now have a Patreon. So please go check that out. Even at our very lowest tier, you get your episodes a week early. You could have been listening to this last week. If not, you know, you'll just have to wait like everyone else. We do have the other shit up at our top tier even. You can fucking chat to us on Discord. You get a fucking sticker that not even we have. Dude, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, we're not even repping that yet. We need to get a sticker. I like stickers. I like stickers. So, you know, we would very much appreciate it if you go check it out. And even if you go to check it out and it doesn't seem like something you'd be into... Our very first post up on there is a poll to find out what kind of things you would be into seeing from us doing Patreon. So that only helps us to be able to put out the content that you all like. And with that, I am done doing today's commercial for us. <laughs> I figure let's probably uh, just get into the guts and bolts of Eden Lake. Guts and Bolts. All right, Guts and Bolts, Eden Lake, spoiler-free, who and what went in the making of this movie. Our spoiler-free setup for the flick is a young couple go down to a... What's the... It's a, it it's a flooded a quarry. Flo a flooded quarry. I was going to just call it a filled-in quarry, but I realized that that would be something complete. That would just be a flat bit of land. A flooded quarry slash lake... <laughs> to hang out before it gets developed and start getting harassed by some of the local teens. Bad things happen. I like it. And of course, from week to week, we like to talk about the cast and crew of the films. And this week we have writer and director James Watkins. And this gentleman, as far as directing credits, he's known for such things as The Woman in Black, you might have seen the film Bastille Day. He's also responsible for an episode of Black Mirror. That episode is entitled Shut Up and Dance from 2016. And he's also written the projects My Little Eye and The Descent Part 2. Mm. 
All right. Our cinematographer is Christopher Ross. He's also known for such films as The Cottage, Black Sea, and more recently, the film Cats. What? Okay. I know, right? I mean, fucking make that money, but... Good on him, I suppose. <laughs> All right. We have an editor we've actually talked about before. That gentleman is John Harris. reason we've talked about him before is when we reviewed The Descent... All the way on episode 195, we didn't mention him as well. And just a few other films of note. He's actually a pretty talented editor. He's edited the films Snatch. I've seen a lot of British flicks. Layer Cake, <laughs> Stardust, The Descent Part 2, Kick-Ass, 127 Hours, The Woman in Black, Kingsman, The Secret Service, Bastille Day, T2, Train Spotting, and more recently the film The Dig. All right. Another gentleman we've talked about before, the music was composed by David Julian, and we talked about him back on episode 60 when we reviewed The Cabin in the Woods. And a few other things of note from him, another one of those guys got some really cool titles. If you've ever seen Christopher Nolan's films Following, Memento, or Insomnia, you've probably heard his work on those. You might have also heard his work on such things as The Prestige, another Christopher Nolan film. He's also helped on The Descent Part Two. He's also helped on such things as Broken Vowels and Bachelor Games. The special effects team on this was Element Special Effects. They helped with the physical effects. And Film Gate, they helped with the visual effects. This was produced by Christian Coulson and Richard Holmes. Production companies were Rollercoaster Films and Aramid Entertainment Fund. The distributor was Optimum, releasing for the 2008 United Kingdom theatrical release. The release date was May 15th, 2008 at the Cannes Film Festival in France and September 12th, 2008 in the United Kingdom. It had a budget of around $2 million and it grossed somewhere between $3.9 to $4.3 million worldwide. And the tagline is a weekend by the lake with views to die for. Okay. That ain't bad. No. Better than most. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I agree. Better than most. All right, so moving into our cast. Starting off, we have Kelly Riley. She plays the role of Jenny Greengrass. A few things of note from her. She's actually got some really cool film credits. She goes back in such projects as Dead Bodies from 2003. She was in Pride and Prejudice from 2005. She was a part of the Sherlock Holmes films. That was Sherlock Holmes from 2009 and A Game of Shadows from 2011. You might have seen her in 2012's movie Flight. She was also in such things as Eli and Bastille Day. And just a few things of note from television, because she does have her hand in that. I saw her, she was in the second season of True Detective as Jordan Simeon, which was uh, Vince Vaughn's wife in the series. Yeah. She was also in Yellowstone, where she plays Beth Dutton. She has the lead female role for 29 episodes. Oh, shit. Good for her. Good for her. Might see her in the store someday. I saw one of uh, her stage roles was she was in a play. It's actually like a play that dates back to the 1700s or 1600s. It's The London Cuckolds. (laughs) Well, you know, everything has a history and an origin story. (laughs) All right. A big name on this. Maybe not back then, but certainly now. What year was this again? 2008. 2008. We have... Michael Fossbender plays the role of Steve Taylor. And as if he needs an introduction now, let's go back a little bit. 2007, he was in the film 300 as Stelios. Then he went on to do such things as Inglorious Bastards, where he played Lieutenant Archie Hickox. He was in Jonah Hex. And then he went on to star as Magneto in the X-Men film, starting with First Class. 
He was also in Days of Future Past, Apocalypse, and Dark Phoenix, all as Magneto. He was also in Prometheus. Dude, he kills as David. He might be, he's, I think, the best part of Prometheus. It's awesome, man. He plays Steve Jobs in the Steve Jobs film from 2015. He also was in Assassin's Creed and, yeah. Let's not bring that up. That means not good. <laughs> Alien Covenant. And he's in the to be announced Kung of Fury 2, which I'm really excited about, dude. That's going to be awesome. Mm. Yeah, he's also been in like some music videos. Well, he's, he does like some arty shit and stuff too. Cause like, makes sense. Cause like he did that Frank movie. Dude, that movie's actually pretty dope. That's actually really good. Cause he's Frank, isn't he? Yeah, he yeah. is Frank. It's really good. I really like that film. It's worth um, checking out. And I know he did like Shame, which I think you get to see his dick in Shame if you Ooh. ever wanted to see Fastbender's dick. Okay, maybe <laughs> after the podcast. <laughs> All right. Moving forward, we have Jack O'Connell plays the role of Brett. Now, this is starting to get into, like, the kid actors in the film. And he's the lead hoodlum, if you want to put it in those terms. All right, so a few films of note from him. He goes back in 2006. Now, a lot of these kids were in this film from 2006, but he was in This Is England as Pukey Nichols. He was also in a really good film, man. Highly recommend. It's called Harry Brown. It has uh, Michael Caine in it. Mm. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. He was also in 300 Rise of an Empire from 2014. And more recently, he's been in such things as Jungle Land and Little Fish. And he's been in quite a few television roles. I was about to say, he was in Skins, right? Yeah, from, like, uh, that was a big deal. So For 18 episodes, is James Cook. Yeah, and also The Runaway from 2011. And more recently, he was in The North Water as Patrick Sumner for five episodes. I might not be entirely correct in this. But I believe Skins is one of those British shows I'd only go like six episodes a season. So I think like that's full on wow. like three seasons of that show. That's pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. Good on I'm not positive about that, but I, I'm pretty Wait, no. sure that was one of those ones. Like Pretty sweet. Nice. All right. We have James Gandhi plays the role of Adam. He's like the young kid who's exploring out in the woods. Now, he was a part of a series called Donnie's House from 2008 through 12, where he played one of the lead roles in that. All right, we have Thomas Turgoose, who plays the role of Cooper. Um, I'm trying to describe him. He's one of the blonde-haired kids in this. Okay. All right. Now, he was in the film This Is England. He actually was the lead in that film, if you've ever seen that. Now, he was also in Somerstown, and he's a part of Kingsman, The Golden Circle. All right, we have Bronson Webb. Now, this can get confusing. This guy plays Reese. Reese is the brother of a character, and he comes into play a little bit later on in the film. Okay, so this is the kid that shows up with the van. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yes. All right, so this gentleman, Bronson Webb, he's been in such things as Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. He was in The Dark Knight. He was also in Robin Hood from 2010 and Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides from 2011. It says he was also a central character in Winter is Coming, which is the first episode of HBO's Game of Thrones, which is kind of cool. Yeah, he was also been in uh, Victor Frankenstein as Rafferty. Yeah, some pretty cool stuff there. Let's see here. Waking the Dead for two episodes is really cool. Yeah, he played Will in that Game of Thrones episode. And he's also Jeremy in Ted Lasso for seven episodes. Oh, shit. He's the pub guy. He's yeah. one of the pub. Yeah. That's fucking dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the big one I wanted to mention. Oh, shit. I didn't even recognize him, but now I do. That's fucking killer. <laughs> I know, right? That's awesome. I was about to say, because most of those things, like, we were naming off, like, Dark Knight and shit, like... 
he's an unnamed bounty hunter in Dark Knight. Like, almost everything was, like, little bit rolls. You'd have a hard time actually picking them out, but... Oh, yeah, now, most definitely. But now, watch, like, it's a lot easier, because he's starting to get a little bit more forefront. Yeah. It's like, if you watch Ted Lasso, he, he'll definitely stand out. All right, we have Sean Dooley plays the role of John. Now, John is the parent of Brett in the film. All right, now, a few things of note from Sean Dooley. He was in such things as Foil's War back in 2004 for an episode. He was also in such things as The Road to Coronation Street. That was a BBC4 drama. He was in Great Expectations. He's also been in such things as The Woman in Black, The White Queen, Wolf Blood. He was also in the 2015 film Cuffs. And uh, let's see here. More recently, he was in It's a Sin and Innocent, where he's a uh, main role in that. All right, we have Finn Atkins. She plays the role of Paige. Now, a few things of note from her. She was in Once Upon a Time in the Midlands, which is similar to, like, This is England, except for it's about the Midlands of England. Mm. All right, she was also in, huh, surprisingly, This is England. She was also a part of East Enders television series from 2009, and she was in the television film Walk Invisible, the Bront Sisters. Mm. All right, we have Thomas Gill. He plays Ricky. Now, that's the brother of Reese, and Ricky's... Another one of the blonde-haired kids in this film. Right. Now, he was in Dunkirk and Vigil, the television series, more recently from 2021. All right, we have two more people. We have James Burroughs plays the role of Harry, another one of the kids in the uh, in the gang. I think he was one of the kids towards the end that kind of gets beat up, put it that way, the kid that gets, mm. gets pretty good. All right. He was in the film This Is England. He was also in Robin Hood, the television series Safe House from 2015, the Mount Pleasant television series from 2016, and Coronation Street, which is a television series from 2018 through 2020. And last but not least, we have Jermaine Hunter, who plays the role of Mark. He was in the film Attack the Block, Cherry Tree Lane, and Dom Hemingway. So that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup. We should give you some warnings. Shit, Mark was in Attack the Block. I watched Attack the Block not just like two months ago. I know, so. I was like, damn, how coincidental is that? Oh, shit, okay. Warnings. Like, there's some blood. Yeah, I mean, there's some good, decent gore I'll say some, some decent blood and gore. There's definitely some violence, language. Some violence towards children. There's animal stuff, too. Animal stuff, too. So I have to keep that in mind. Lots of... um hide-and-seek kind of aspect, cat and mouse, if you want to put it in those terms. Mm-hmm. So if you're not comfortable with that kind of anxiety and tension and all that. It definitely does cross the line into horror, but there's stretches of this movie that are more like cat and mouse thriller suspense than actual horror, totally if that agree. makes sense. So that's the kind of tension that we're talking about. Yes, there is some body horror to this as well, make you kind of cringe a little bit. It also kind of just... I'm trying to characterize, like, because of who's perpetrating the horror in this, there's a weird, almost extra, like, mean-spiritedness to it. I don't know how quite to put it, but... Make a good point, man. This film, it teeters on some things that, when I did a little research, this is kind of getting into the nerdy shit, is if you're from England, you can view this as kind of a non-PC film. Mm-hmm. because of the social commentary aspect of it. And we'll get into all of that stuff, but I think if you're here from the States, it might not resonate, but it's not too hard to read into either. No, no. But also, like, there's a little bit in horror in just where the violence is coming from. Anyway, we'll get into it. Fucking, that's all you really need to know. We'll spoil it <laughs> up and when we talk about how Ian Lake made us squeal. 
How does that make you squeal? All right, Eden Lake. I hadn't seen it before. I had seen it, I want to say once. I know it couldn't have been more than twice, but at least once prior. I legitimately didn't know Fassbender was in a, at times, borderline torture porn film. Yeah, one could argue that. I had no idea. <laughs> it's cool. I'm glad I finally watched it, I guess. Yeah, it's, to me, it's in that regard, when you're talking about Fassbender being in a film as this, it reminds me a little bit of like Bradley Cooper being in Midnight Meat Train, because you're like, really? He was right? in a... Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he was. Or when you catch some of these kids off guard with like fucking Zellweger, oh, McConaughey. Dude. Yeah, but what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Vigo. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of people that you can catch off guard. Jennifer Aniston, another big one we talked about. And this would have been pretty early. And like, I was taking a look at like what order his and films his appeared in. Career, it's not yeah. like, it's not the earliest, but by the time this movie came out, people would have maybe started recognizing him from 300, but he wouldn't have gotten this role because of 300. It still would have been in post when he was probably shooting That's this. A solid point. Yeah. Good point. So. Like, that's cool. Like, that definitely counts as pretty fucking early in the career to me, you know what I mean? Yeah, hey, I regard it as an early Fassbender role. Um, kind of feels like it. I wouldn't say he's phoning it in, but I know he's a much better actor yeah. than what he shows in this as but, well. Yeah, he's still not bad. Yeah, but, I mean, but, there's know. nothing about it that's bad. But no, no, no. There's it's moments just that I've like, seen okay. him be extremely good before. Yeah. <laughs> he was still working on it. I don't even know what the fuck Hunger is. I'm just looking at what else would have been before this. I don't know what Hunger or Angel is. Angel. Like rom-com. Real Life of Angel Deverell. 2007 British romantic drama. Based on a 1957 novel. The same name by Elizabeth Taylor. Okay. (laughs) Shit. Angel. Okay. Yeah, no. So, like, yeah, this is before he's Hickox and Inglorious Bastards, which... I think is where a lot of people first started to really recognize him. I think a lot of people were like, haven't I seen this guy before? And then put it together that he was the dude in 300. Oh, yeah, he's the dude in Eden Lake. I mean, 300. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, you're right. You're right. This is one that I don't think a lot of people know at all that he's in this. That's okay. I don't know. I have weird mixed feelings about this film because when I go through it and look at it, like... It's good, maybe great at times. Well, maybe not great at times, but like it's good to very good all the way through. I'd give it probably like a solid B plus or A minus, but like I'm not very excited about it. I know what you're saying, yeah. But it's oh so strangely effective because at the end of the movie, it's not effective in the sense that like horror is normally intended to be effective. Like I don't leave feeling scared, but as we've talked about this before, not many of these movies ever do that. That's kind of why we got into this. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but it's effective in the sense that I kind of feel bummed out at the end of it. Yeah, it's a very bleak film. Like, it manages to play upon my emotions in a way where I still, like, am changed by the film upon watching it. So there's a lot of movies that I'd say can't do that to me if I don't want them to. And this one, both times I watched it, I sort of came out from being like, well, okay, cool, that fucking... Oh, damn. (laughs) That's fucked. Like, yeah, that, that all fucking sucks. Fucking terrible weekend for him. It's all just kind of a butt fucking bummer. Yeah, you're right. These fucking kids suck. What the shit is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and we've so. watched bleaker movies, and we I'll have. walk away from them being like, "Oh fuck, that was cool." Like, yeah, I mean, that's the fun of cinema and film in general. Is you know, a really good one can make you feel all kinds of different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's one of these, or this film, I should say, in particular, it hits the mark where it's like, "Oh damn, that's oh, like damn, <laughs> that's fucked up." Yeah, because it's not one that you're necessarily enthusiastic about. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to like. Yeah, Eden Lake. That's not a discredit to the film. It's just after you've seen it once, you kind of like know, all right, you got to kind of get ready for the shit. Yeah, all right, <laughs> that shit's going to happen to him again. You're like, fuck. But it's also not exciting because, like, there's no bit of it that stands out as being, like, extremely good or, like, right. a masterpiece or, oh, like, no, this person's giving a master class in doing this yeah. or that. Like, there's one, I'd say, very good segment. And the rest of it, I'd say we've seen versions of before, maybe not play out exactly like this. And I'm not going to say it leans heavily into tropes either, but I feel like I've kind of seen this movie. Yeah, I can say one more recently. I wouldn't say they're akin, but they have similarities is the movie The Strangers. Okay, yeah. There are certain elements that they share. And I was like, that's interesting because for argument's sake, I feel like this one's probably a little bit better than The Strangers. Yes. But they eerily do have commonalities. But like, so that's where they kind of depart to because the stories are different. And yet I still feel weird that I sound so down about a film that I would say is a solid B plus A minus. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you there. Totally agree with you there. This is the debut, too, if I'm not mistaken, of the director we've already mentioned. So mm. I was like, that's kind of neat, man. He had written before, and he finally got a crack at directing. Uh, James Watkins, that is. So from what I understand, too, is he writes a lot about growing up, kind of middle-class England. You know, he bounced around. I heard something, too. It was kind of interesting. I know I'm going on a little tangent, but it might contribute a little bit to his writing technique. Okay. Is Apparently his father was a taxi driver and came upon a, a body. And he was accused of that murder, of course, and you know, got dismissed, and they found the real killer. But he said, you know, the kids at school would bully him, and they wound up moving as a result and all this other stuff. So I can see where he likes to include, like, kids in these kind of stories. And at the time, too, there was a film I already mentioned with This is England and Once Upon a Time in the Midlands and some others where they talk about this subject matter, like the broken England, mm-hmm. you know, the downfall, I guess, of the middle class and what have you. So, yeah, I find that uh, it's an interesting, like, thing to interject in a story like this, you know, because we've seen kids thrown into a film with different purposes, but not necessarily in this context. Right. Like, so we're not going to purport to be, like, super know-it-alls on British <laughs> politics. No, no, no. But, like, what I was seeing is that if you want to... Like, it's really easy to read this film as basically supporting right-wing British talking points. You could say that, yeah. Which kind of blows. Right. But, like, it also doesn't... This isn't a story that also necessarily falls outside horror tradition. Mm -mm, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It's just kind of unfortunate that they lean very heavily into, like, making sure the kids are chavs. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. It's like, <laughs> exactly. And that's where... Like, that was one of my first notes. It's like, fucking chavs. <laughs> that's kind of where I'm getting at with the social commentaries that you can read a couple of different ways into this film. A, you've already brought it up with the chavs and the context that has in English culture. 
And then you can also look at it as the fears of the middle class. Mm -hmm. This is the result of like lower middle class scaring middle to upper middle class, you know, in this case on a holiday turns to shit real quick. But regardless, these are and kind of set against the backdrop of this area about it's gonna to be a housing be development for a, a gated housing development. Exactly. And who are they scared of? Everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So there's little things like that sprinkled throughout the film. If you read into that, you can just read into it. Like another way is in the context of the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. To me, I got that right towards the end of the film where you can see the mirror of yeah, the kid and the kids the and the parents real hard. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And that can be read into like small town culture and how people kind of flock to each other, stick together. And there's a certain loyalty regardless of its nature. That's a, like classic suburban horror. Yeah. So that's what I'm getting at. Like there's some interesting social things that are going on in this film. And even like some folk horror touches on that. Like, Oh, it certainly does, man. Fucking Wicker Man does a bit of that, right? Certainly does. Once you're in that town or whatever, essentially your fate is already sealed. In this case, I'd say, like, it's not necessarily sealed. Not necessarily, no, 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 not necessarily. But you're playing by their rules now. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's several things you could say that they could have done differently and got themselves out of these situations, but it wouldn't be the same film. Right, right. (laughs) You know, so (laughs) look at it that way, but... That's what I find also intriguing about films like these is that you can just purely read it as, you know, this couple went out on a holiday and they ran into a bunch of kids who were, you know, some badass kids, hoodlums who got away with it because they're just kids being kids. And one of them happens to be a fucking sociopath. Oh, yeah. Psychopath. Exactly. Some sort of sadomasochist. You name it. Like I said, we're not scholars in this, nor do we claim to be, but, but we've very seen obviously, it. <laughs> like, we've seen it. He's a path. Yeah, he's a path of something. Shit. He's on a path. Yeah, so. He's like Kid Henry. That ain't right, no. Because Kid Henry was getting pimped out. Um, He's kind of like a non-royal Joffrey. Yeah, right. It's like one of those kids that's just a pure dick. But turned up to fucking 12. Yeah, it's just raging. If anybody needs a joint, it's definitely that kid. Not condoning that, but I'm just saying. Metaphorically. So this movie is so... Fuck. Like, we're not experts on it, but getting back into the politics of it a little bit, though... Part of how this movie, once again, is good but isn't great is it also doesn't necessarily pick a side if you read into the... That's true. So at the very beginning, like, you have those lines that you already brought up of Fassbender pointing out that, like, the upper middle class is fucking scared of everybody. But then the rest of the movie, all it does is actually demonize the lower class and show why they should be scared. Exactly. Not why they shouldn't be scared. No, exactly. And that's where I'd say with the politically incorrect is because you can say that this film was punching down. Yeah. In that regard. And but yeah. it feels like that line in the beginning is to poke fun at, you know, so that they can say, oh, no, it's both sides. But like 90% of the action in this movie is that's not like, well, both yeah, sides. Yeah, because now it's, it's <laughs> defending that stance mm-hmm. in a sense. Like, yeah, you know, this is the reason why. <laughs> I get it. I, I totally get it, too. So it's interesting, man. Like I said, I think there's going to be some things in the culture that we were probably going to miss just because we're not a part of that, you know, the British mm-hmm. culture. But, yeah, I'd find it interesting to hear what other people, too, abroad would think about this, you know, like from the, the UK view. 
as opposed to the state's view side, you know, to see where there's differences or, or where we might be reading into it a certain way. I find that kind of stuff interesting too. Yeah, we're kind of just going off the little bit of research we did and being like, okay, I mean, like, I can see that in the movie. Yeah, without a doubt. It's not hard to see these things once, especially once they're pointed out. Like, yeah. Even without knowing that, I already wrote down, like, fucking chavs. <laughs> I know, man. Well, all right. So, maybe getting a little, just a little into the film. And a point I'd like to start with is once you get the little bit of character development with, you know, Fossbender and Kelly, is the introductions of the chavs, right? You're on mm-hmm. a beach, you know, with your girlfriend or whatever. And it's supposed to be holiday, and you know, like, all right, I've already tried to reason with these kids, and they're just going to be pricks about it. You know what? At this point, you have a decision to make. In his case, he let his ego and a little bit of his pride get in the way of being like, you know what? Let's find somewhere else. You know, we've got this big old place. Well, he thought he had it all planned perfect, because as you find out, he was going to propose. Exactly. And these kids are getting in the fucking way, and like, I can't let these fucking kids interrupt my plan (laughs) bro she's gonna say yes like she's super like you guys are fucking all over each other just like go to the other side of the lake and propose i know that's what i'm saying dude you don't have to stay in that one spot we were here first like that doesn't really matter these are probably like townies some locals the one thing like i get the whole like there's still outsiders coming in thing The one thing that a little bit pissed me off about the kids is, like, at least they're trying to enjoy it before the remodeling happens. Right. It's Like, Like they don't want to see the remodeling either. They want to come enjoy this before it's gone. But, and this is just to be, like, devil's advocate here. When Steve, if you want to call Mm -hmm. it Michael Fassbender and Jenny, they roll up and they see the Eden Lake. Because he he actually mentions it as Slapton Quarry. Mm -hmm. He's, like, a little bit offended that they're changing the name of it. But as they're driving into, you know, the trail, the woods, whatever, on the back of that sign, it says, like, fuck off yuppies or something to that nature. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, they could misconstrue the couple as potential yuppies coming in and, yeah, checking it out before they move in. And, like, and even if they wouldn't have misconstrued them, like, just the fact that they're outsiders, like, that that all plays. That's enough, yeah. That still plays. It's just... It adds to the bumming out factor of this movie to know that the couple were coming in to appreciate it before it's gone. I know. And it was never, never got to be explained, but. There was like, honestly, (laughs) like all of that, those interactions played out. I felt pretty fucking naturally for a group of asshole kids that outnumber one asshole coming up, telling them to fucking chill out, chill out. Like that all played, I thought pretty accurately. I know. Which was why, I, why I got to the point of being like, dude, just fucking go to the other side of the lake. Like, yeah, like you're not going to win this battle at this point. You <laughs> no, know? I was a fucking asshole kid at one point. You're not winning right now. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. You probably were an asshole kid too at one point. Just think about it for a second. I, was saying, I think we all were to some extent at one point or another in our lives. You know, it's just the way it goes. It's not an excuse. It's just the way it is. Never as bad as these kids. No, I wouldn't, you know. Spoilers since you're already in here. It's like shiving people. Yeah. But, like, some of the groups of fucking kids I hung out with at one point, yeah, we probably would have at least fucked with people if it was yeah. just, like, us around and, like, outnumbered them. Oh, like, yeah, like, you know, you got your buddies and one dude, like, all right, guy. At the very least, we're going to turn our fucking music up. I know. Like, fuck off. 
So I get it, you know, from the kid's point. I'm not, like I said, it's not an excuse, but in this case, it is kids in a sense being kids. Mm-hmm. Just being kids, man. They're being a bunch of assholes. So, yeah, the wisest thing that would have been just get the fuck out of there, chalk it up as an L, get your W on the other side of the lake, <laughs> you know? And it would have been hunky-dory. So they fucked up there. And that was the start of it. It was kind of like these little small altercations that led to bigger altercations down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, and, oh, man, it's just, for him, it's just kind of like one mistake after the other. Even though his intent, it's well-intentioned, like, the kids are fucking with you, man. Like, his mistake is keeping anywhere in their vicinity, basically. Yeah, that's just, like, aggravating them or, in a way, antagonizing them a little bit. You either fucking completely take care of it at once, or after that first interaction, you gotta fucking just break off. They might still follow you for a little bit and fuck off, like, and fuck with you some. Right. But if you're actively just in the process of fucking off rather than trying to stay your course, like, they're going to fucking give up. That's true, man. You just got to fuck off. Actually, I do want to talk about this. I thought this is really interesting. It's some of the dialogue. I mean, it's one of it's kind of on the nose with the navigation system telling him to turn on around. At the mm. first opportunity. Okay, that's pretty obvious. Now, one I thought was clever. This took me the second time to figure this out. It's a huge foreshadow moment. Huge foreshadow. Is, I, I think it's when they want to go get some breakfast and all that stuff. And oh, I thought you were going to say fucking homeboy's bell end. <laughs> that too. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I didn't want to see that. But it's when they go into town, they get breakfast. They're making mention, Michael Fossbender specifically, making mention of the BMX bikes. And the lady, you know, she dismisses, not my kids, whatever. But they happen upon those kids and where the bikes were at, and Fossbender goes inside. Now, this is what I'm saying. This is a huge foreshadow moment because she stays in the car, Mm -hmm. right? So she doesn't know what the inside of the place looks like. And while he's, you know, snooping around, Fossbender, that is, the dad shows up, and he's kind of like telling her to move and being very aggro towards her, and she does. All right, now you can kind of dismiss it as, you know, they missed an opportunity, or he did. There's a couple of things I think for me that took note. It was when the kids were outside fucking with rabbits or whatever, yeah. right? So that was like the sociopathic kind of behavior, mm-hmm. you know? And you could say, and it's been said, that kids who, specifically serial killers, exhibit, yeah. you know, that kind of behavior towards animals when they're young. That's what these kids are doing. They do it a little bit later on in the film as well, right? So that's one that you can Isn't kind of that miss. that one of those, like... They don't follow the McDonald triad anymore, do they? I don't but know. Like, <laughs> but part of it that sort of goes forward is like fucking with animals. Yeah. Probably like bullying people or something to that yeah. extent. Or maybe being an outsider, quiet, all that stuff. Weird sexual stuff, you know. But regardless, there's little things like that in the dad's behavior. But the biggest foreshadow to me was the whole point that later on in the film, she uses that fucking van to show back up because, she, you know, she wrecks. She winds up going into that house. Mm -hmm. And that was the first house, you know, presumably they stopped that and went inside. And it was the other way around. It was her, not Steve going in. So I was like, oh, man, that's kind of fucked up. It's like they've already had these encounters. Like the dad's already encountered her earlier in the film. Mm -hmm. He just didn't add it up until much later on in the film. So I thought that was kind of interesting in this film that they would use that this early on in the film. But there's, there's no way of knowing that until later on. So that sequence where he goes into the house, that was the bit that I was talking about that I felt was like pretty close to being fucking masterfully done in this film. It was really good heightening of suspense of him trying to like quietly 
find a yeah, way to quickly get out of there. there, fucking not break himself as he's getting out there. The awesome accidental built-in misdirect of like, yeah, the fucking father followed the sound up to that window, hmm. but he looks out the window and sees the kids. Sees the kids, so like that must have been what he heard. So he doesn't even look over it the other way, and it all makes sense. Right. Like I thought that was wonderfully done, super like ratcheted up tension. Because yeah, then the cut goes to him, like let's get out of here, and that kind of like jolts you a little bit. The fact that that was so well done is kind of what lets me down about a little bit of stuff that comes up a little bit later, but we'll get yeah. to that. There's another little bit I thought was pretty clever. I mean, it's you know a little bit on the nose, but it's still good. It's still effective. Is when they go back to the same spot they were. I guess, laying out at the beach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're setting up camp, and they hear screams in the woods, and he goes to check it. And as he's coming back, you know, he's fucking with her, and he comes in and spooks her. And I was like, that's actually pretty effective. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was innocent in a sense, but little did they know later on the next day or early that morning, it was going to take a turn for the worst because I think she's laying out, and he goes in, and... When he comes out, the bag is missing. He's got their keys to the car. Car is missing when he goes looks for it. And at a certain point, man, it's like they're joyriding. There's no candy cane, though. I, I know. I right. here's another point where what would you do in this circumstance? This is kind of like a one of those things where it can make a, a split in your decisions, right? Do you go after the kids like he did, or do you like you know what? Fuck this. I'm just going to get the authorities at this point. It's like, I'm done fucking with these kids. They can ride around my car, whatever. I'm chalk that up as an L. But I want to get them cops involved. Kind of like, look, dude. I think I, I tried. I mean, I understand that making these sort of decisions make a movie not happen. Right, right. So, like, okay, it keeps the movie going. I understand in that case. I personally would probably have tried to just, like, they're fucking joyriding it. Like, I'm not catching up to that shit on foot. Yeah, I'm just no, calling dude. the goddamn cops. And even if I try to, I'm probably going to do something stupid like get run over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, even if it's an accident, I don't want to take that risk. It's not worth it. That being said, when they finally catch up to them later on, when, like, the dog incident happens yeah. and shit, if I accidentally kill the dog because they've already fucking pulled a knife on me, and now they're down a dog, but they still fucking outnumber me, but they've been joyriding my shit all day. I'm not dropping that fucking knife. I'm threatening mm. to carve some fucking teenagers to pieces unless they give me my shit, and then I'm just fucking bolting out of town. Exactly. It's like, you know. I, I ain't dropping it. Like, I don't care that I fucking just killed your dog when you've been doing this shit to me for. Right. It's like, you know, sorry it came down to that path, but, you know, you guys kind of did it to yourself, man. You know, I asked you earlier not to fuck with us, and now you got it to the point where you're ratcheting things up for no reason just because you want to be hood rats. <laughs> and that's know? the thing, like... They take no accountability, the kids. They're just out there doing whatever the fuck they want, and then when things like this happen, it's, you killed my dog, man. It did nothing wrong. And that's one of the parts where I sort of fell off for a second because I'm yeah. like, you're in this tussle. This all happens. Like, I've considered myself an animal lover. I don't want to yeah. stab anybody's fucking dog. I know, dude. That but if suck. they've been fucking terrorizing me and my hopeful fiancé all day, joyriding my shit, oh, and fucking pull a knife on me and try to stab me as well, if I accidentally kill yeah. your dog, I'm already pissed. My adrenaline's going. I ain't dropping the fucking knife. No, no, no. It's like, you know, 
Like I said, it's... I don't know if I could make myself drop the knife in that moment. Mm-mm. It's like, not until I know I'm way away from danger. Yeah. I think, like, I get my hands on the steering wheel, I don't even realize that I'm still holding the knife till like, 20 miles down the road and like, okay. shit starts to wear off. Yeah, you're just one-handed it, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, dude. Probably white knuckles the entire time. Yeah, because all that stuff is fucked up, man. Nobody wants to be in that position, right? But if you're faced with that, this could be the, you know, repercussions, the outcomes, all that shit. You know, when they do get the car and, you know, the typical stuff happens, they run into like an embankment or whatever, or like a little hill they can't get up. Which it was kind of fucked up that they zoomed way in on the fucking Jeep brand right before they showed it couldn't get up that fucking hill. I know. Well, you know, it I did get out, but hard. yeah. I'm like, this was the worst product placement. I hope Jeep went hard at them because oh, man, that was fucked up, dude. Like, why are you going to point out that they're in a Jeep right before you show you get stuck in the fucking mud? How are you yeah, going to do that? That is, that? it's bad timing. <laughs> that was fucking funny. I agree, but you know they do turn around eventually. But because the windshield's broken and smashed, the kids were throwing rocks and stuff from the high ground on them. Is he winds up running into a tree and he gets pinned by the branch. This was also dumb. Pissed me off. Do you know why? I would have tried to back it out. Not even try to back <laughs> it out. You, Let me hear you it. Wanna, you want to know how he gets out in two seconds? I'm ready. Pop the seat back. Yeah. That's all he had to do. Just like. <laughs> Just lean that shit back, homie. Yeah. I mean, we already know he's pretty athletic, so that's a given. But and you're he's right. fucking skinny as shit. We saw him coming out of the water. That's what I'm saying. So. We know it didn't seem like he was paralyzed or anything at that point either. No. He didn't indicate. He just, he said he was pinned. You're out in two seconds if you pop that seat back. Move you over. I'm out in two (laughs) seconds. I am way fatter than Michael Fassbender. I'm out in two seconds. All I have to do is hit that little fucking switch in the side. Another bad product placement. (laughs) It's like maybe it wasn't working. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, you know, jiving at this point. But you're right. There are certain decisions that, weren't made and he sends her out to go get some help or whatever but she don't know where the fuck she's at at this point i don't think either of them know where the fuck they're at oh man they're in the middle of the woods like even when he went into the woods at the beginning of the film like does he even know where the fuck he's at barely yeah it's just maybe stumble upon shit by chance or luck just oh yeah i've been here once before <laughs> that kind of well, thing yeah, she animates that the last time he was out here was when he was on a fucking bender with his buddies yeah how trustworthy is your memory after, you know, a weekend like that? Who knows? But, <laughs> yeah, so, all right, at this point, because he gets pinned and shit, he find, I think it was the next morning, he's gone. Mm-hmm. They got his ass, and... Um, I was surprised ooh. to see, like, that cut over to, like, when she finds them, I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, Brett's got these kids going fucking hostile on him? Yeah, that was pretty brutal, man. There was one moment in particular... Where I kind of forgot, and then I was like, oh, yeah, he totally did that, because there it is. This is where the last kid, that was the kid who played the lead in This Is England, okay, the yeah, one that yeah. jabs him in the mouth. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, that was not bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was not bad. I was fucked. I think the after effect wasn't played up as bad as it should have been. Right. Because, man, you take something like that to the mouth, man, yeah, it's going to fuck you up good for a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know how well you're going to be talking either. And, I mean, he did go pretty hard for it, but also maybe playing up a little bit too much the box cutter cut. Perhaps, yeah. 
Yeah. Compared to everyone else using the other knife. I know, man. But Mar- I mean, I'm not, Mark did go for it, though. Like He did. He's like, like Brett might be fucked ass. up, but Mark's right next in line. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, he got his ass good on that one. Yanked him. But and then that Dickie. That was brutal, man. Like, I'm surprised there's three of these fuckers in the same group. Which is kind of like the more fucked up, like, demonization of the lower class thing. Like, how they're going to be fucking three fucking psychopaths in this one kid group. Like, Dude, they're, I mean, no, I'm like, it's towing the line on a lot of things. But this was also, it was also one of the kind of dumb moments, though, because you're like, oh, shit, like, he's making them all do it, and he's getting them on video, so they're all in this, and they're going down together. Paige is getting enough video that... It's blatantly showing him threatening the kids into doing it, which that's going to get them off in court. Right. So that's not or at least not going down as hard as he is. That's going to get them probation and probably some very needed appointments with a therapist. Without a doubt. (laughs) That's probably at the very least. He, on the other hand. Yeah. Because Paige got all of that evidence. He's got all kinds of serious shit he's got to do and. He's not going to be out for a bit. That's the one thing. Like, I say that this movie leaves me with kind of a bummer feeling. And this is going to jump to the end real quick. Even though the bad guys win, when you logically think about the way this movie plays out, they ain't getting away with it for long. No, man. If the cops show up, and not unless the cops are uh, absolutely implicated in all that shit. If, yeah. that's I think that's the only way. Because any competent person can look at it and say, like, and that's, and that's maybe still only if it's like all local police. Anybody higher up gets involved. Oh, all of this smells it's fucking probably fishy. O- open and shut, almost. Too many coincidences. It's like, mm, yeah, some don't add up. Yeah. And that's the one, like, uh, let's talk about it a little bit more at the end. Let's get okay. through a little bit more of what happens first, and then maybe I can get okay, together so my thoughts on it more. what gets him out of that situation, Steve, that is, Michael Fassbender, after he's getting stabbed and all this shit, because they're planning on pretty much killing him, is she has phone that she tethers to his, mm-hmm. and she makes a 999 call, which is the 911 equivalent here in the States, and it rings, so the phone rings on his end too. And, of course, the kids have the phone. It alerts them. They cut off the phone, and they realize that she's within proximity. And then the chase goes for her, and then he gets loose. And then, you know, it starts that cat-and-mouse game. I hate the chase with her. It's just a long, drawn-out chase. It's drawn-out way longer than it needs to be. And it's one of those chases where if you're paying the slightest bit of attention, it only works through editing. Mm. She only stays in front of the bikes long enough down that one straight stretch through editing. <laughs> yeah. She only manages to sidestep, grab a branch, and shove it through the first one's spokes through editing without any of them being able to notice what she's doing from, like, how far they were away the last time. Like, Yeah, I don't know, dude. I don't know. But you're right. Editing, it's magical. <laughs> it can be magical at times. Cause, yeah. There's no way she stays in front of him for as long mm-hmm. as she did to begin with. But even if she did, when she goes to grab that branch, they have enough sight of her in that space. Like, they can all see her and can what she's doing and would just slow down and surround her. I'm trying to figure out... No, you know, of course, you do have to suspend your disbelief, but when she gets to, like, that small trailer, 
the trailer thing. Also, they show her up against the edge of that trailer as the kids come up around the corner enough to have a full-on view of that side. And she is still standing there. A second later, when they cut to what the kids see, her legs are just magically not there. (laughs) I was saying you have to suspend your disbelief for a lot. Well, not necessarily a lot, but in moments like these. Because I'm like, there's no way she climbed up top without them hearing her. Nope. And not in that amount of time. And when I say amount, I mean, it's like not a lot. Very quick. So, yeah. But I'm like, okay, it's a movie. You know, just have to believe it. The thing that bugs me most about it is that we had that great sequence in the house just 10 minutes prior. Right. And then you resort to this very poorly done chase. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just another one of those. They're like, maybe we try to need to mirror some of this stuff with these characters. But that wasn't necessary in this case. Mm. If that was their approach. But anywho, that's what gets her out of that pickle. And at some point, she catches back up to Steve because he takes a swing at her. He wasn't intending to do that, but... You know, we see this happen in quite a few movies. I'm glad they didn't go the way where he nails her. (laughs) That would have been fucked up, wouldn't it? But also, I saw the poster for this movie, so I kind of knew that didn't happen. Because I don't think he's even on the poster. Not from what I'm seeing. She is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she is not wailed in the face. No, that would have been pretty obvious, because he took a nice little swing at that. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish it would have been one of the kids. How uh, fucked up would that have been? That would have been What real if you would have actually, fucked. like, just fucking... Wrecked a kid. I was kind of hoping that at one point... What if, what if you would have just wrecked Adam? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your caterpillar. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Dude, if they would have had him wreck Adam... That almost would have been the better way to go to make it slightly believable that any authorities would believe Brett's tale. Right, because they're like, why would he take out this innocent little kid that has nothing to do with these hoodlums? Because we already know he's been bullied by them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's a thing that happens in town as well. Nobody's story is going to fucking line up well enough for N- no, 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 not no, to no, smell no, fishy. No, no. Mm-mm. Doesn't matter how much fucking Brett and his dad coach everybody. Yes, I'm not, I'm not buying it. I'm no. not buying it. And probably with these people's checkered pasts. Also, like, Adam dies. We haven't got to that part yet. Like, there's no way Brett's dad isn't fucking racist towards him. Oh, dude, yeah, come on, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're not on the same side as the other parents. And if nothing else, they're going to push for authorities to look into it. Yeah. So. They're not going to just buy that fucking story. They're going to want to know what happened to their kid. Mm -hmm. You're right. There's a lot of things that need to be questioned. (laughs) So we're getting close to that point in this film. I'll kind of speed it up. They take refuge, Jenny and Steve. We find that Steve has that nice little gash on his side. He's losing blood. The kids catch up to them. There's a, I guess, a trap door or some shit in the planks, in the wood or whatever. Yeah. So... As it's the like kids, a fishing hut or something. Yeah, so it's like, like that's cool. As the kids come in, Steve and Jenny take refuge under in the water. All that stuff plays out. There's even the you know like, oh maybe where the kid falls through, and it's just played off as you know he's a chubby guy and he's really not. But they go back out, and as that happens, Jenny basically is dragging Steve at that point. 
dude, Crikey. with after they showed his fucking gash, you're like, oh yeah. I'm, as soon as they went in that water, I'm like, he's fucked. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, that's infection city. Man, I know. He was already talking about it being black and stuff. It's like, ooh, that's gonna be even worse because he write infections now. Ooh, yeah. So she winds up just having to like. He's gonna get that beaver fever all up in that <sighs> gash. He can't move. He makes it clear. He's like, I can't move anymore. You need to go back to the town and get some help. So she covers him up with some like brush or whatever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's uh, looking for those electrical pylons, which are like just power lines here in the states. So okay, like God forbid it, uh, either of us are ever in this situation, but I was kind of thinking during part of all that sequence when they're getting away and shit. There's a good little portion of her dragging him around, where through their interactions and being just pretty generally good actors, both it's made pretty apparent that he could probably die any second. He's mostly holding on because she keeps asking him to. If th- yeah, if you're being point. fucking hunted like this, and you're that much of a liability, do you just let yourself go? You kind of have to, I think. You know, if if you're like, if no you're matter really, what they're asking of you, like I know, man. It's like, dude, if I can't move, if I can't literally can't move, there's no point. Not unless you absolutely can carry me out without it being a deterrence to <laughs> getting out of the woods or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have at least one more thing on your side. Either you have to be able to move. Or you have to be not being hunted anymore. With both of those together, like, if you love that person, you just got to, like, I'm sorry, like, I know what you're saying, but, like, peace. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, you know, we'll come back and get some help for you. I'm crossing my fingers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, it sets her off. She winds up stepping on some kind of spike or whatever. That was pretty gnar. That was really good. That was one of those moments where I'm like, all right, this movie has those kind of moments, like Fassbender getting stabbed in the face, pretty decent. His makeup and stuff looked pretty good. Her stepping on that shit, taking refuge down in like a little spot where she has to make the decision to get that stuff out of her foot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, whew, that can kind of take some people out of the film, I think. Yeah. Because it's a little graphic. It's done really well. And I'm like, ooh, I would hate to have that happen to me in the woods. Oh, Regardless if I'm getting chased or not. That would suck, period. Like, I've stepped on a tack and that shit sucks. Oh, man, like, yeah. Recently, I stepped on a piece of glass and that shit sucks. And it wasn't that bad either, but it wasn't good either, but it no. wasn't as bad as it could have been. Not nowhere close to hers. Mm, and, but it still noise. sucked. <laughs> oh. So I, I get it. And I'm like, oh, man. And it was big, ooh. too. Yeah. She did what she had to do, and... I liked every moment of it, too. Like, as a horror fan, that's the kind of moment you're like, oh, yes. Yeah, I want to see people squirm at this shit. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about it before. It's one of those injuries that's too relatable. Man, yeah, that can happen Everyone's to anybody. Everyone's done fucking something to their foot. Yeah, rolled it, stepped on something. Yeah, whatever, stubbed it at the least. I think everybody stubbed their toe at least once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all know what it feels like. So a fucking spike through the middle of your foot. Oh, man. I'll let them know where she was at, at least, <laughs> what direction she was in. All right, so once she gets all that out, all right, once you get past that little gory bit, that's where she runs into Adam. This kind of starts the third act. And he's like, yeah, I'm waiting for my mom. <laughs> he's being he's deceptive. He's actor ever. He's being so deceptive, right? And she finally figures it out because he leads her back to where the kids have their little hideout. And she's like, this is where your mom's picking me up. And he's like, yeah. She's like, how many bars you get? He's like, none. Just forget. Yeah, he's like lying, but he's such a bad liar. 
Right, she snatches the phone from him, but it's already too late. They wind up having, I think they have Steve tied up again, mm-hmm. and she gets clubbed by Mark. And when she wakes up, she's getting gasoline poured on her, and she's tied up now with the intent of them getting burned. It looks like Steve's already dead. I mean, we can, yeah. we can assume he's already dead. She's still alive. Some of the kids are having doubts because well, it's they don't want to see that. When Yeah, when the kids are having doubts and Brett's telling, oh, I can't is He's telling one of them, like, we're all in this together. Yeah, he's he already, like... He points out that fucking, With the footage and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, he points out that Steve's already dead. We did him. Like, yeah, so now like, we have to do not. her because now she knows. Like, Right. It's like we're too far in the muck now. We can't, mm-hmm. you know, can't back out now. We're all in this together. <laughs> yeah, and that has implications, right? Because the whole point was Adam wants to be a part of the gang. Whether it was his choice or not, we don't know. I have my doubts. Yeah. That was his choice, but... Now he's implicated, so they're making him strike the he match. He doesn't want to be part of the gang. He wants to not be bullied. Exactly. I mean, come on. That's pretty obvious. Or at least it should be. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I have my doubts that he was the one who asked. <laughs> right? So he does strike the match that sets them ablaze. But it gets thrown directly on Steve, so all his shit burns through first. I know, and it's like, it was a saving grace in this moment for her. Because they apparently splashed gasoline on him in a way where there was no connecting. I, yeah, I don't know how that works, but <laughs> I don't know how much or how little she was burned at all because it makes it look like she wasn't burned at all. Yeah, not one bit. So somehow her ropes become untethered or unbound, you know, whatever. Well, it's because she's bound with the same rope, so when it burns through on his side, she can pull Yeah, yeah let's, free. all right, so that, all right, I'll chalk that up as like, okay, that makes sense. Once she does get detached, unroped, and all that stuff, she grabs a stick that has the fire on it. She dumps gasoline, makes it to where those kids can't reach her, you know? And then she takes off again. It's a pretty good getaway. No, it was. I was like, that's actually pretty smart. Instead of her being like Wendy Torrance and trying to club him, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? No, that was smart. That was actually a pretty smart She doesn't smart know move. where she's going, but at this point, that's fine. It's better than being where she's at now. Yeah, 100%. All right, now here's one major problem I have with this film. And it's not the film's problem. It's just this circumstance because it wouldn't work regardless. And what I'm getting at is the kid Brett is trying to use Adam into blackmailing her or mm-hmm. like threatening her yeah, I'm to come back. Up. Yeah. I'm like, why the fuck would I come back for a kid who just tried to, I mean, he literally did light us on fire. Why would I come back to I try to save him? Being, I know that he was being pressured, but. I'm like, fuck that kid. <laughs> fuck them kids. Fuck all of this. You're going to do it anyway. You're a fucking psychopath. Yeah, fuck them kids. That's how I feel about that situation at that point. Yeah, and he does. He lights fucking Adam up. You know, it causes her to throw up, naturally. And it sets off another cat and mouse game. She winds up going to where the, I guess the trailhead is at, and she finds the map. She winds up getting it. She's looking for the town to go to. The kids wind up finding where she is at. They don't find her because she hides out in the trash can. Like before it's too that far past it, I want to repeat it one more time. The way Adam goes out makes this whole thing fishy. They put a tire over him? Yeah. And light him up? Like, None of the story is going to line up right. Yeah. Mm, how do you explain that? Because there's Steve right over there all burnt up. And you going to say Brett, she did it? Brett isn't smart enough to put together a fucking story that ties these As ends even, together. How do you even make it coherent? Yeah. That's what I'm getting. I was like, oh, man, you have to eat a big old fucking lie sandwich or whatever for that one. Shit. 
Because good luck. At a certain point, even if the cops are on their side, right? There's enough kids dead where they're having to go. Well, we have to write something in our report, and yeah. if you're going to continue not talking to us, then we have to hand it over to higher investigators. Right. So you know, we'll give you some time to try to piece this together or if you catch my drift. Because man, that that is one hell of a web you have to weave. With that many kids dead, and like I said, from what we see of Brett and his dad, there's no way they're not nah, being fucking racist yeah, to so Adam's I, parents. I, yeah, that, and I don't, and this is no offense, but typically people of that kind of ilk aren't the most intelligent either. Right. You know? It seems like he's just running off instinct, just bad behaviors, bad habits, learned behaviors and traits. We've already kind of alluded to that several times. So, odds are. <laughs> Once again, though, this all adds into why I call this movie weirdly effective, because I can decry this all day long, and the movie still leaves me feeling bummed out. Right, and I think that's a solid move in this film's case, because it, it does leave you with, like, oh, man, not all horror films, and we've gone through some of them, leave you with a good feeling afterward. Mm -hmm. Like, there, there's no final girl here, even though they're kind of setting it up in a way. It would appear mm -hmm. not in this case shit if you're not used to these kind of films and you're watching this i can imagine that's probably a terrifying feeling when she's in the bathroom at the end and the parents are outside and they're piecing it together through that phone call what's happening who she is you're like oh she is fucked yeah what do you do like if you try to empathize what do you do in that moment yeah, you, you fucking break down screaming for her if you're trying to empathize Woo! with her. Like, I'm trying to slash throats. <laughs> yeah, I don't her, know. Her fucking final attack was so weak. Yeah, to her defense. I don't she, know what the fuck she was it, trying it to do. It looks like she that. was a preschool teacher, so. Right, but like. <laughs> no, nah, you know, but you're right. That was, yeah, she just didn't have any gusto left in her, I guess. She was all burnt out. She should have played it more like, I don't know deceptively let him come at you first i know counterattack i don't know i don't know but you she know was, something's coming yeah but hmm, he just knew it wasn't good and it was fucked especially when the kids are or at least brett you're like oh no and they're like you go to bed you need to go you know fuck off basically mm -hmm. and the dad takes her and they are even like setting up the parents kind of in those kids roles to to brett's dad Right. Yeah. And it lets you know that was probably something that's been going on, not just with their parents, probably before that and then before that. We don't know how old this town is either. So. But that's the thing. Like, we saw that all of those kids broke. So Man. if we are setting up the parallels, then either Brett's dad is going to have to kill them or one of them is going to fucking talk. Yeah. So what's it going to be? See, there's a, a weird but interesting, and it's logical in this film sense, domino effect. Mm-hmm. You know, or... If it, you're going to set it has up those parallels, effect. then yeah. one of them is going to talk. They're not That's, getting away with this. What it, it made me wonder that because one of the parents, you could tell, was like he wasn't into that already. Like it looks like, yeah, they've been in this shit before, probably. Mm -hmm. You know the drill. <laughs> Don't be looking at her like that. She killed those kids. They're just kids. <laughs> you're like, oh, man, you know. And what parent wouldn't make that case for their kid, regardless they're a psychopath or not? You know, it's just like, oh, man, this that's a hard case for anybody, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, under the circumstances and the deaths and all that shit, it would become clear that there's some weird shit going on. On the Killing Kids note, because we did kind of end up skipping over it a Oof, little bit, yeah, I'm surprised that they just full-on showed her fucking stabbing Cooper in the neck. Dude, that was brutal, man. 
I'm like, damn. And they, they like, drew it out a little shit, bit longer than I it. thought. Yeah, they did. And she dug in. Like, like speaking of go, like that was a go for it move. Like it I really was, was genuinely surprised to see a fucking kid get stabbed in the fucking neck. Like <laughs> as I say, it was it was I want to say kinda. It was brutal, and I I liked it. I don't condone that. I'm just saying we know it's a film. But what you just said, they went there with it, and they took that chance. And in a film like this, it makes sense because she's out there trying to survive. She's seen what that kid did. Mm-hmm. She don't know what his intentions are. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know what? I'm just going to pop back to the end again real quick on why the ending doesn't work as ambiguously as you would hope it would. Like, there's no realistic fucking chance in hell (laughs) that they decide to tend to her and try to revive her on that fucking couch without somebody having already called 999. They're not waiting for her to fucking wake up. Yeah. She's covered in blood and cuts and mud (laughs) and crashing into a party screaming, help me. In fact, I would say that somebody probably called 999 so that they could deal with her and they could get back to the party. That's not a bad argument. The only thing I would say is it makes me wonder how many criminals or maybe how many people have warrant. I know all this is hypothetical. Mm -hmm. This is all hypothetical. But if we're going to go down that route, I would say they probably wouldn't want the cops' attention because, you know, of their activities. And uh, who knows? I don't know. That's just me. But you're right. It could go either way. Like, yeah, who, who's to say that somebody probably didn't already come? Like, oh, get her the fuck out of here. We're trying to party, man. Yeah. There's things going on that you don't need to be here for. Yeah, don't fuck it up for us. That's and also, it's, like, it's, they seem to genuinely want to do the right thing by her until they got the other phone call. Oh, so man. if they were genuinely trying to do the right thing by her, somebody would have fucking called. Like, most of those ladies seem to, to have, have turned concern. on their maternal concerning instincts towards her. Right. While she was laying on the couch there. Yeah, exactly. Because she wasn't a threat. They don't know what happened to her. She just seems like some fucked up, you know, whatever. They're just tending to her. You're right. Showing their maternal instincts. And uh, yeah, it's not until that phone call where shit really hits the fan. And I like that too, because even though we don't hear it, we're getting little information from the frantic mother. Because mm-hmm. you could tell something's not right. She's. But it's just enough to hear what's going wrong. It was a really good phone call. It's just. Yeah. I mean, you, we know yeah. at that point, we know it's coming. And it, it's just like that pit in your stomach where, oh, no, she's fucked. She's figuring it out, too. Like, as soon as she sat, well, I think it was probably the dog that tipped her off the biggest. Like, oh, no, I'm at the wrong house. <laughs> but what are the also, what are the odds that she would wreck that van within the distance of that house mm-hmm. in the first place? It's all coincidental, but regardless. Were we supposed to feel at all that it was tragic that Paige finally decided to not follow Brett and got ran over for it? Because by that point, I didn't give a shit. It makes you wonder. That's what you get, bitch. Move, bitch. Oh, nope. Too late. (laughs) I think that's where you could say this film is also playing with like moral. I don't know about necessarily ethics, but you could say morality and things like that. Where, yeah. Most of us would be at the screen yelling for her to, like, run that bitch over, run her over, right? But it brings up that moral question, like, well, well, you're still killing somebody Mm -hmm. regardless. You know, if it's right or wrong, you're still killing somebody. And we're like, ah, but... (laughs) So, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's clever, but... There's I'm a part where her. it feels like we're supposed to be a little bit extra sad about it because we know oh, that I'm she not isn't sad. following Brett anymore at that point. Right. But. Yeah, no, no, I'm saying in this film sense, like, 
within no. the films. She hasn't earned any sort of. No, of she's not getting my sympathy. Me, no. But I will say this: it's sad that she died. Her character died, <laughs> but I'm not sad for her. No, it was a cut. <laughs> <laughs> they all were, but the point being is like, yeah, no, that's the whole point. Is like within the frames, it's like, yeah, you want that fuck. Every one of those kids probably in the film sense should deserve to die. The way they're treating people, killing people, being coerced into it. Like you do have a choice. Like fuck that kid, Brett. There's yeah. enough of you to fuck him up. Why is he the boss? Yeah. It's the, the same tactic that you're all using against these fucking adults, just turning it against him. I know it's not that simple, but like... No, but, you know, at least you have a fighting chance if you all pull your weight together. But, like, if somebody's that much of a fucking psycho, you gotta do something. Yeah, because now he's not only implicated everybody, right? He's just being reckless. He has mm -hmm. a reckless abandon about him. He doesn't give a shit. And like I said, when his dog dies, it's not because he's thinking, like, oh, man... My behavior, I was, you know, we're riling up the animal, at least of this stuff. Like, I should have just gave the guy his keys back and his Ray-Bans back and all that shit. It's none of my fault. It's not my fault. You killed my dog. And you know, it's, it's like that kind of attitude. Mm -hmm. He's the victim. He's playing the victim for, on all this. But, yeah, it's weird, man. But it, a lot of it is based in reality, you know, too. So it brings up these like I said these quandaries and these arguments that you can have for exploitation and all this other stuff but i don't necessarily think that was the director's intent i've watched a couple of interviews and right that's the yeah. fucked up thing it's it's based in a weird reality where we all know somebody who not to this extreme but we've all known somebody who acts this entitled oh without a doubt but it's fucked up to apply that generalization to the entire working class Without a doubt. And yeah, because you're looking at like a small demographic mm -hmm. that represents any part of this, right? And even that's probably exaggerated to an extent, you know? I don't know how far, like I said, I don't know a whole hell of a lot outside of just a little research I've done. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for the rest of the working class, she's like, that is not helping our cause at all, man. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, this doesn't represent the entire working class. You know, it's just like it's just a small sector of it. And it does have ramifications and, you know, cultural stigmas and all this other stuff, you know, that it just perpetuates all this mm -hmm. this bias and all this shit. Yeah, and this film, like I said, you can make a, a good argument on both sides. Like, yeah, it's punching down, but it's also, you know, talking about a subject matter that there is a class of people that feel this way. You know, it's not saying that you should feel sorry for them or anything like that. I'm just saying it's highlighting What's going on in the, currently, I guess, in in, uh, in England and stuff. I'm not saying right now, but at the time mm -hmm. in England. So the director himself said that when he wrote this film, he wrote it three years prior to when he directed it, right? And he said it's just kind of coincidental that when he was filming it, like some of the stuff that was happening was, you know, it's kind of coming to fruition about what he wrote about three years prior. He's like, it wasn't his intent. It just... It's just kind of coincidental, mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, whatever. You can make arguments is what I'm saying. But regardless, I think it's an effective film. If you like those kind of films where it leaves you with, like, a little bit of a gut punch, it not necessarily like Martyrs, but it's, it's not a happy ending. <laughs> You're no. like, ah, oh, man, fuck. And there's some things that could have gone right, a lot of things that went wrong, but that's why I think this film is interesting in that regard. You know, it's... Kind of overlooked, I think, sometimes overshadowed. It's, we've already talked Fassbender in it. It's like, who'd have thunk that? Yeah, it's not bad. Even the kids do, I mean, all of them do a 
pretty fantastic yeah. job I they did a in their great roles. Job. Yeah. Like they're believable as like mm-hmm. little fucking punks. <laughs> you know, and you do feel sorry for some of the kids. I mean, we've brought up everyone else so many times. Our leading lady, Kelly Riley, does a fantastic job through this movie. No, she's great, man. I mean, you feel all kinds of bad for both of them. And in her case, too, it was made clear early on, like, my other friends are going on these other trips. You're taking me out of this quarry. You know, a flooded quarry. But the intent was good. It's just mm, unfortunate circumstances. And it does owe, because this is an English film, to what you've talked about a little bit, too, with, like, the folk horror and even, like... You could say, like, gentrification and stuff like that, mm-hmm. in, in, in a sense. Like, you're bringing in this suburbanization of this habitat, and you're infringing on these local people that are, they have a certain identity. It's a fucked-up identity, but, you know, it's, like, infringing on that. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's uh, it's a fun one, and it's definitely one that brings up a lot of discussion, I feel, like, outside the film itself, too. So, I can appreciate it for that merit. Uh, the score, I thought, was, it was pretty well done, too. Let me go ahead and say that. Like, I think that oh, was a yeah. highlight of the film. I thought it was well done as well. I agree. Um, I'm not sure if I have anything else really to say on that. Not necessarily. Like I said, I think it's a fun one. Uh, if you haven't seen it before, it's definitely worth a watch at least once. I was going to say, I don't think we know what we're doing next week. We might actually know what we're recording next week. Possibly, but in but... order to drop them... Drop the. I don't know what order we're actually going to end up releasing the next couple episodes we record in, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. just so that we can make sure that our hopefully very special episode coming up gets out at the right time. Right. So we've got a couple of things in the works, but we're we're going to try to make it work. So we technically know what we're recording next week, but I don't know when you'll hear that in relation to this episode. So awesome. Yeah, <laughs> we'll keep you up to date. Exactly. Uh, so for this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace. <laughs>